I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Have you gotten Rommel yet? What's up, y'all? Welcome on into the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker and Ben McKee coming to you from Thompson Bowling Arena, where Tennessee, the 13th-ranked Vols, have just defeated McNeese State 76-240. The Vols making a habit of winning these days, making a habit of winning while playing elite defense. And, and again, tonight, say what you will about the offense, especially in the first half. Uh, ben, that was some ridiculous defense from a group that is already right now uh, – as good as Ken Pomeroy has ever had a defense graded in his entire time of crunching numbers in college basketball, and uh, that was before tonight's game. So th- this is not a this is not a uh, a freak occurrence with this defense. This is just what this defense does. Yes, and it started last week in the Bahamas, and <laughs> the defensive performances that it turned out uh, during that week in the Bahamas over Thanksgiving week is is pretty absurd when you consider the fact that it's this early in the season. They're without Josiah Jordan-James, who is probably their best defender. I would say so. I think Jemai Meshack might like a, a word uh, in, in that conversation. Zakai but Zakai is as well. Santi is as well. And, and, and they do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and, and us just naming names off left and right uh, kind of speak to, to why Tennessee is so great defensively so early. But it, it's unheard of to see teams this good defensively this early in the season. And they're doing so without Josiah, who has the longest resume, at least, as, as a defender. Uh, he, he's been doing it the longest at this level. And he hasn't played. Now four straight games he's missed because of knee soreness following that offseason uh, knee surgery. He says it was a scope, but now that he's missed four straight games, I, I wonder just how much of a scope it, it actually is. And, and we'll save that conversation maybe for a different day because we have a lot to discuss on this one. He is one player whose toughness I would never question. So I think this is legitimately something yes. he doesn't feel very good right now. Correct. Uh, and again, it's early in the season. Maybe they are just truly being overly cautious because uh, you don't want to lose games this early, but if you do lose games this early, it's not the end of the world, uh, as we saw last year with this Tennessee team. But uh, you're, you're doing this defensively this early, and without Josiah, who, whether he's the best defender on the team or not, he, he's the glue guy to the defense for sure, and he's kind of been the, the, the fix-it guy. Uh, if something goes wrong, he, he can slide over and, and make up for it, and, and he's not been out there, and everybody has picked it up. Uh, we mentioned a bunch of guys. I think you throw Julian Phillips in there as well. You throw Olivier Camwa in there just in terms of guys playing real well defensively. Uh, I think Uros has had his moments here and there just in terms of just being the big, tall guy that he is in the post and kind of standing his ground. You'd like to see him do it more consistently. But uh, the defensive performances these last couple of games are, are absolutely uh, ridiculous. And, and honestly, they were even doing this in the Colorado game. They, they suffocated Colorado in, in that the first, first half. 25, 30 minutes. Yes. Yeah. And, 
and, and then you get into the 25, 30 minutes part of the game right out of the, the half, and they're not making shots, and they allow the, uh, the, the, the poor offense to, to ruin their defense. They were playing good defense in that game, and then they just mentally, I don't want to say quit. That might be the fair phrase to use, um, but they let their offense affect their defense, and, and that's why you saw that game go to you-know-what. So the, the performances are just ridiculous. 50 points to, to number three Kansas uh, last Friday when it's your third game in three days. Uh, and I mean, you, you start to break it down individually. Forget the main guys like Zakai and Josiah. I mean, it, it's guys like Jonas, who you obviously see the potential. You and I have talked about it on the last couple of podcasts as, as we get into basketball season, his potential. I mean, he has, what, five blocks in 16 minutes tonight? He had four blocks in 10 minutes in the first half. Yeah, he flirted with a triple-double in 16 minutes. Yes, and, and because of the blocks, which usually you you see the triple-doubles as assists. points, rebounds, assists, and, and he almost got there with the blocks. and. Uh, he, he's only going to continue to get better. It, it's seeing him emerge. It's seeing what Jemai Meshack is, is doing. And, and Rick talked on Volkov's Monday night about how Jemai has just made tremendous defensive play after tremendous defensive play mm-hmm. after tremendous defensive play. And then, honestly, the one that's been most impressive to me is, is Santiago Vescovi. Not necessarily because of what he's doing in this individual season, but just thinking back to where he was when he first got here, not even mid-year of his true freshman season, but his sophomore season, and just the the, the conversation about him being, okay, well, he's a, a great shooter. He has to be so great offensively because Correct. he's going to be bad. It reminds me of because he was Major, out of shape. It reminds me of what Major Wingate said about Scooter McFadden years ago when, when they played at Tennessee, and um, someone asked Major Wingate basically about uh, Scooter McFadden averaging like, you know, 20 a game. He goes, well, he, he better score 20 because his man scores 30 every night. <laughs> that that was Santi, his his sophomore year. He, he was so great offensively, he had to kind of make up for, for the defensive end. So just to see how far he has come. And, and then you see him in the USC game. And uh, some folks did not like Rick's comments after that game about saying that Santi and, and Zakai were the MVPs of that game because of what they did defensively because Julian Phillips had his – great game 25 points and and was on the glass and getting to the free throw line folks just automatically wanted to talk about Julian and and his point productions and and obviously he was a great talking point after that game but the first thing Rick said in the post game was that Santi and and Zakai were the MVPs because of what they did defensively and you think back to what Santi was when he first got here out of shape wasn't much uh, of anything on the defensive end to in that game Peterson the six foot eight kind of wing guy that that can handle the ball uh, he had the C on his chest which obviously means he's a captain he shut him down that entire game he, he's USC's second best player behind Boogie Ellis the Memphis transfer and Santi just completely shut him down off the ball on the ball and he's been doing that to everybody this season and, and he's switching on the guys in the post and, and it's it's not making a difference so obviously everybody's talking about the the team effort defensively but when you start to break it down from an individual standpoint and how far guys have come defensively it, it's very very impressive and we got a lot to talk about on this episode. We're going to talk a little bit about the McNeese State game in the second half. RIP to my idea of a McNeese nuts headline if uh, <laughs> if the Cowboys had pulled a stunner in this one. I uh, have to save that one in the back pocket for later, I suppose. Uh, but we're, we're going to talk a little bit more about the battle for Atlantis in the first segment because there, there was – 
that was uh, every game is important those games were more important they were big for Tennessee for many reasons and we'll discuss those uh, we'll get to this game in the second segment because I think there are some important talking points from this game um, but from the the first I, I think we need to get back and, and double back over that battle for Atlantis because I, I, I got to be honest with you Ben I, I I expected Tennessee to go down there and play pretty well I, I don't know that if I expected Tennessee to go out and play that well and if you had told me it just shows us how little we know in sports so many times. Even those of us who are, are able to make a decent living out of covering this stuff and are supposed to know this stuff, how sports can still surprise you. Because a couple weeks ago, none of us would have told you that Tennessee in football would go to South Carolina, lose by 25 points. On the flip side of that, I don't think that any one of us would have said, without Josiah Jordan James, Tennessee's going to go down there to the Battle for Atlantis, Paradise Island, Bahamas, and they're going to beat Butler, USC, and then defending national champion Kansas on three consecutive days without Josiah Jordan-James. I don't – maybe you would have predicted it. I'll be honest, I would not have. No, I, I did not predict that. I, I, I don't think that I would have agreed with that assessment prior to, especially uh, w- with the fact that we thought Josiah was going to play before they left, and it turns out that he did not play. Uh, did did warm up before USC and Kansas mm-hmm. – uh, did warm up tonight prior to uh, McNeese State. So I think that's a, a good sign, and I think further evidence that they are just maybe being overly cautious. Uh, I bet if it were late February, early March, I guarantee you he'd be playing right now. But I I will toot my own horn. I, I did say on the last basketball podcast we did that I thought Tennessee was going to go down to the Bahamas and prove that the Colorado game was mm-hmm. a one-off. Yep. Uh, and, and it's because this team is is too good, especially w- with what they were doing on the defensive end. And, and look, I, I didn't have a ton of evidence to necessarily back that up because they were only three games into the season. But just reading between the lines of that Colorado game, not, not to rehash that game, but you, you see what they did on Friday night, losing to Grambling. And Tennessee, they, they got too cocky. They got too confident. And Rick's talked about that. Several of the players have, have all but said word for word that we saw them lose to Grambling, and we thought we could show up and, kids, and, and man, be fine. They're kids, they see this stuff. Yes, we, we talked about it on, on the last podcast that we did. They, they are 17 to, to 23-year-old kids, and, and it is impossible to get anybody that age to be consistent in any walk of life. And, and that's why you see those type of upsets in college sports more so than you see them in, in professional sports. So just just kind of having the opinion that they absolutely overlooked Colorado and, and then seeing that Urosh leaves that game early to injury. Julian Phillips was in foul trouble. That threw off the rhythm offensively early and then they couldn't get over the hurdle of being out of sorts offensively I, I thought it was a one-off and and last week proved that uh, again I don't know that I necessarily would have predicted for them to go three and zero without Josiah but I thought it was going to be a one-off because th- this team has too much talent offensively and, and defensively to be anything but a, a good basketball team the, the question isn't is is this a good basketball team it's a question of how good is this team going to be can it be a, a great basketball team that makes a run in March? Yeah, and, and I think what's interesting is that, that none of us necessarily predicted Tennessee to go down there and win that thing. You know who did predict Tennessee to win all three games? Vegas. <laughs> Vegas always knows. Uh, Vegas, again, tonight in this game, had the line at, what, 35? It ends up being 36 points. Those guys always know. They always know. 
every single time, it seems like they know. However, uh, what I do think was interesting was that going into that Kansas game, Tennessee was a one-and-a-half-point favorite or two-point favorite in that game. And, and that made me think, one, okay, maybe Kansas, you, you know that team lost quite a bit. Maybe it's not quite as good. Maybe they got that defending champion bump. Maybe that goes into it. However, what we don't know um, is necessarily how much is that going to affect people. You play the champions, what's that going to do to you, right? They had, what, a 17-game winning streak, whatever it was. Tennessee was not scared in that game. Tennessee did not play against the jersey in that game. It played against the team, and it had a better team than Kansas, like Vegas thought it would, and it made that game not maybe super comfortable, but but fairly comfortable down the stretch. The, the USC game was much more dangerous than that one was. It, it was, and I thought the the Kansas win in particular was a, a classic Tennessee basketball under Rick Barnes type of win, a, a culture win is what you would call that. Uh, and it's because they, they hung their hat on the defensive end and, and they did enough offensively to, to get the job done. Uh, and, and they did so after the USC game as well. I mean, a couple shots go in for USC, and, and maybe we're viewing this a, a little bit differently, but that's kind of the nature of sports, obviously. But uh, the, the offense was much improved, I thought, during the week in the Bahamas, and, and, and you kind of got it from a, a couple of different areas. Obviously, Julian Phillips kind of burst onto the scene, uh, and, and I don't think enough people are, are talking about him as, as one of the top freshmen in the country, but he continues to play the way that he is and, and can, ten, continues to improve game to game the way that he is, and more and more people are going to continue to, to talk about him. I saw a mock draft today um, on our site, 247, that lists him as a, a mid-first-round type of guy. It, it wasn't in terms of projecting where he's going to get drafted. It was a, a big board ranking the prospects, and he was like 15th or 16th, which, which is, is mid-first round. Because a lot of people saw him as perhaps a two-year guy, a two-and-done guy, and, and maybe that it's early days these, but maybe that's not the case. We, we will see. I'll tell you, he's certainly playing like a more mature guy. And, and you can see when you talk about immature in some ways, that, that doesn't necessarily mean just between the ears, right? That can mean physically. Like Phillips is a kid when you look at him. You know, I remember when Kevin Durant said, you know, back at the combine, you know, I don't, I don't, why do I have to bench press when I can, you know, the ball's not heavier than the bar, right? I mean, so basketball is not a game where you necessarily need all of that muscle all the time. However, it does help. He's a guy who will grow into his body physically, which will help him on the defensive end. But his athleticism, the things that he's doing, uh, and the confidence with which he's playing right now, are, are surprising me. I, I thought we might see this later in the year from him if he could kind of get through that freshman wall. I did not expect early on, this early in his career, that he would look this sort of, I don't know what the word here is, but just sort of, you know, emotionally mature. Like he, he's not afraid to go take the shot. He's not afraid to go try to D up somebody. He, he, he just doesn't, he doesn't look timid ever, really. No, he, he does not at all. And, and he is one of the, the many reasons that Tennessee had success down in the Bahamas. And uh, the, the other reason being Zakai Ziegler and Santiago Vescovi kind of started to, to, to find their rhythm after they struggled out of the gate this season, especially Zakai Ziegler. Uh, I put up a story on, on the board uh, or on the site earlier today about how he actually talked to Lamonte Turner. And Lamonte Turner told him some things that, that he said were, were game-changing and, and, and just a reminder of, 
uh, that, that Rick Barnes is, is going to be tough uh, on his players. And, and it was nothing that Zakai didn't already know. And Zakai admitted that he enjoys the tough love and, and the constructive criticism because that's what he grew up with with, with his mom. Oh, he but can take it. He can absolutely take it as, as well as anybody. But you've seen him start to kind of come out of that funk he had to start the year. Santi was obviously huge down there in the Bahamas. I thought you got – key play from at least one of your post players at, at, at different points, even if there wasn't necessarily a, a consistency there. Uh, so I, I, it, it's early, and Tennessee has some big tests coming up. They, they've still got trips to, to Brooklyn to play Maryland. They, they've got a big trip to Arizona on the 17th that right now Kim Palm projects has a 75-74 win for Arizona. That'll be a kind of a, one of those 50-50 toss-up games. Not easy place to play. No, not at all. And Arizona's playing really well right now. So uh, we'll, we'll learn more about this team as, as we get into conference play at, at the, the end of the month. But I, I think based off of what they showed in the Bahamas, it, it's hard not to feel really good about where this team at, team is at just seven games into the season. I don't know what it is about some guys, but with Ziegler, sometimes guys just play better off the bench. You see that in basketball, obviously, more than you do in a lot of other sports. I mean, sometimes in, in baseball, you might see like a pinch hitting specialist or something, somebody who's better in those situations than others. Um, but Ziegler, I don't know what it is, but when he can sit there on the bench and watch the first few minutes of a game, and then maybe some of the other team's players get a few minutes under their legs, get a little bit tired. You plug him into the lineup with that energy, all of a sudden it's a whole nother level. And and, and I don't know exactly why that is. I, I don't I don't think that it's impossible for him to be a really good starting point guard. He, he's going to play the minutes of a starter anyway, but for whatever reason, and, and he said this back in the offseason, that he preferred to come off the bench. And then early in the season, it, it's like when, when Rick Barnes said that about him, that you're, you're not going to start anymore, you're going to come off the bench. Maybe that didn't bother Ziegler. Maybe, maybe at the end of the day, this is what he prefers to do, right? Maybe he's got some of that, you know, Vinny Microwave Johnson in him where he just wants to come off the bench and be that kind of guy. He told the media on Tuesday that he, he, he likes coming off the bench because he can kind of sit back for a couple of minutes, th- those first couple of minutes to, to start the game and evaluate things, essentially. He, he can see what, what is going on with, with his guys, what, what is going on with the other team as, as well, and kind of get a feel for – for, for what the team needs when, when he does come into the game. Um, but, but you're right. I mean, he's, he's going to play as many minutes as, as anybody. And it, it's going to be him or Santiago that, that leads the team in minutes per game this season. Maybe Josiah, but I don't think that Josiah would just because he, he has been on a, a bit of a minutes restriction here to start the year when he has played. So statistically speaking, that, that would prevent him from sharing that title or, or winning that title. But Zakai is going to play his minutes. He, he's going to play <laughs> around 35 minutes a game, if not more. I um, mean, creeping up to, to 37, 38 minutes a game. And, and part of that's because they, they lack another true ball handler. Uh, would have been nice to, to swing on the guy that it, that it had pointed out in the transfer portal. But uh, things, went the, things went away that they should not have gone, and Tennessee uh, did not get him. And that's unfortunate because that, that – uh, that would really you know, help. Watch him play against Memphis the other night too. That, that dude's just a good player, man. He's just a good player. He, he is. really is. He is. So uh, the guy's playing well the, these last couple of games. Uh, he, he had a three early in, in tonight's game when the offense was was somewhat bogged down and, and struggling to make shots. So uh, again, uh, it, it's hard not to feel good about this team seven games in, especially when the Colorado debacle happened and it, and it felt like <laughs> the world was coming to an end. For it to be three weeks later and to feel the way that I think everybody feels about this team, I, I think it's 
pretty impressive and also speaks to, to this team's potential and, and this team's ceiling. I, I think there's no doubt this that this team's going to be one of the best defenses in the country all year long. The question is, will it be able to find enough offensively consistently throughout the season? But even more so than that, because as we have also talked about before, Wes, this team, it does not matter what it does in the regular season. It could have the best no, regular season ever. In terms of positioning is what it comes down to, really. Yes, but people – that because of the way some feel about Rick – he he has more to lose in the regular season than he than he does to win. No, nobody's going to credit him for maybe they finishing. just need to kind of suck in the regular season and well, really underperform and and then and then flip the mojo. I'm 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 sure people would would take that trade off. But my point oh, is, yeah. my point is that everybody would be breathing down his neck if if there is a terrible regular season and if. He's he's on pace to finish first or second in the regular season in the SEC. Nobody's going to pat him on the back, A, because of what March has been at times for him and because of the salary and the expectations that uh, this, this program now has. So th- this team is ultimately going to be based off of what they do in March, and I think they'll play defense in March. The question is, are they going to have the offense to, to go along with it and allow them to carry it in March? Because we saw them play well defensively last March against Michigan, and the offense let them down the final 10 minutes of the and, game. And Dickinson was just a bad matchup Correct. for them, and that's, that's that's where things were. Although maybe with a guy like Adu, a matchup like that isn't quite yeah, as bad maybe now. so. Maybe but we'll see. Yeah, my overall point, though, is the the defense is going to be great all season long. The question is going to be, will they be able to find – the offense consistently and can it get better Rick said recently uh, within the, within the last week that he doesn't think that they're playing at all close to to their potential offensively and they haven't you, been able you to can see they're not find they're just that not quite there rhythm and, and I agree with them yeah uh, you, you can see it and guys that are capable of making more shots than they are Tyreek Key Santiago at times Zakai you don't have Josiah you, you see where there is uh, a, a lot more potential offensively than what you've actually seen in terms of results so far. And before we go to break, I'll just say this. I know that we could talk about uh, regular season Rick and postseason Rick all day. I would, however, say two things. One, uh, you, you should have standards in a place like this. You should have high expectations. You're funded to be a Final Four caliber program, so why would you not be? However, basketball has been played here a long time, and up in those rafters above us right now at Thompson Bowling Arena, there is a one Elite Eight and zero Final Four banners up there. So that is not just a Rick Barnes. Rick Barnes has still been to more Final Fours than Tennessee has in, in Tennessee's history. So um, that's something that the program itself has to get over as much as Rick Barnes has to get there more. So, we, But he is the coach. And when you're the coach and you're paid that much money, people are going to say what they want, and some of it's justified. So that is what it is at the end of the day. Let's go back to, to – to talking about a little bit about this game though Tennessee 76 McNeese State 40 we're going to go to break Before, when we come back from break though we talked about all those big games Tennessee had last week all the momentum Tennessee had we know the big games that are coming up down the pike in the next couple weeks this three game stretch here that started tonight um, was a different kind of challenge for Tennessee and I think the early returns on that were that Tennessee handled that really well. Uh, so we'll talk more about that, but before we do that, we'll step away for just a second. Pay some bills, listen to products, services, in-house ads, etc. Then we'll be right back here on the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. Money! 
Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Welcome back to the GoVols 24-7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Wes Rucker and Ben McKee coming to you from Thompson Bowling Arena, where Tennessee has uh, dispatched McNeese State with extreme prejudice, 76-240. The ball is rolling right along after a, a bit of an uneven uh, first half offensively, uh, some some terrible free throw shooting, um, but overall not bad. You're leading by 16 points. You can't say it's that bad. Then Tennessee just comes out in the second half and just really throws down the gauntlet, runs away with it, wins by 36 points. We'll have more to discuss about that game in just one second, but before we do that, just a quick uh, suggestion from our end. If you could take about a minute out of your day right now let's say 60 seconds 75 seconds maybe 90 seconds tops go in there and rate and review and subscribe to this podcast we sure would appreciate that if you're just listening on the website there govals247.com no problem with that we, we still love you there's no wrong way to consume this podcast however what helps us out the most is if you go in there on apple Podcasts, spotify Google Podcasts, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, Amazon, anywhere in the world you can cast the fine pod. You can find this Go Balls 24-7 podcast. We do this for free. We're happy to do it. It's a labor of love. Very few complaints from our end. However, since we're doing it for free, I don't think it's too much to ask to go in there, rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. Tell people you see at church. Tell people you see out there at the golf course. Tell people you see at weekend brunch. Tell people that you see around town. Just just anybody you see wearing orange, be like, hey, man, I'm a Tennessee fan. You look like a Tennessee fan. You might like the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. That could be your new best friend. That could be your spouse. That could be the person that changes your life forever. And there's only one way to find out, and that's to go talk to them. So chin up, buttercup. Go talk to people. Tell them about this podcast. If you are doing all those things, thank you. We love you. And if not, I award you no points 
and may God have mercy on your soul. Ben, back to business. One thing about this game tonight that I think was really interesting, and I think it dovetails nicely, it dovetails nicely with the conversation that we had rehashing that unfortunate Colorado game in the first segment. In that game, we saw that Tennessee, for the first 25, 30 minutes, despite playing a really rough offensive game, played really good defense. Then it sort of started to leak and started to take on water, and then it went the way that it did down the stretch, and Tennessee had no answers because it was mentally beaten. In this game tonight, uh, Tennessee did not check out defensively whatsoever. In the first half, Tennessee shot 9 of 18 from the free throw line, also I think maybe 3 or 12 from three-point range. Not a great offensive half. It did not affect the defense whatsoever, and I, I, I really do believe that that is the single biggest reason Rick Barnes walked into this media room 20 feet away from us tonight and had a smile on his face from ear to ear because he saw his basketball team struggle offensively in the first half and it still held the opponent to 14 points. I don't care who you're playing at the Division One level, you hold anybody to 14 points and a half, you've done a hell of a job. You hold anybody to, to, to 40 points in a game at this level, you've done a hell of a job. I think the fact that the offense wasn't great it's not that he wants the offense to not be great. That, that That's dumb. But I think, in a way, he wasn't too unhappy about the offense struggling early because that let him see how the defense would respond, and I think he got the answer he wanted. Yeah, it definitely felt like the Colorado game uh, on a much uh, smaller scale uh, because McNeese State is, is never going to win. Is not good. Not good. I mean, looking at Kim Palm in, in front of me, they're they're ranked three hundred and fifty fourth, and and I don't know that there are that many teams in college basketball. They, yeah, they, look, what's the, what's the team like? Division one was it three eighty, three seventy? Uh, I don't know. Uh, it might be three fifty four. <laughs> I don't know. What is it? Uh, let's see. Let's scroll down to the bottom. Three. I love, love real time discoveries. Three sixty three. So they're they're two and six, and they're ranked three hundred and fifty fourth out of three hundred and sixty three teams. Big resume booster. Not not great. They they according to Kim Palm are the worst team that Tennessee is going to face all season long. Maybe ever, as as you can imagine. So I, I don't think that that team is going to necessarily win ten games. I made that comment to you during the game. Um, a they have hideous colors. That that is one reason they will not. It's tough win. to go blue on blue like the Titans. Sometimes it's just sometimes the blue on blue is just not a great look, man. They, I know some Titans fans are upset that I just said that, but I think it's the truth. Yeah, they they're they're not going to win more than ten games because they're not a good basketball team and because the colors are are ugly. But no, I'm I'm obviously joking uh, about that. But yeah, it felt like the Colorado game on a on a much smaller scale uh, because of the way uh, Tennessee struggled offensively there in, in the first half. I mean, it, it was just ugly <laughs> there uh, those first 20 minutes, uh, especially at the free throw line. That that was the thing that was, I think, was most frustrating for Tennessee, 9 of 18. That That is just not pretty. I Including mean, some front end misses on one-on-ones. Yeah, and, and not only that, but, I mean, from key guys, Tyreek Key, 2 of 5, Julian Phillips, 3 of 6, uh, Urosh was 2 of 3. Uh, the miss, however, was the front end of an air of, of a one and one and an air ball. By far the ugly, ugliest miss uh, of, of of the year so far at the at the free throw line for sure. But Tennessee it did hit net. Tennessee really did struggle offensively in that first half. Shot thirty four percent, twenty five percent from three. They, they were three of twelve, nine of eighteen from the free throw line. Uh, as I said, uh, only six turnovers uh, there, but. Um, 
probably a little more than than Rick would like, and and more so because those first five six minutes of the game, they they had most of those turnovers. Uh, the, those first four minutes, I think they had four turnovers. Correct. If I remember correctly, it, it was it was not pretty at all. But like you said, they they hung their hat on the defensive end, and they held McNeese to six of twenty six shooting, zero of seven from three, and they forced 13 turnovers. The The rebounding numbers weren't pretty, only won the glass in the first half um, by three, uh, but but then they came out and hit the 11-2 run thanks to a, a three from Tyree, or not Tyreek, but Julian Phillips and, uh, and and Santiago Vescovi, and they were able to get going offensively. They, they come out and score 46 points uh, in the second half, but yeah, 14 points in the first half is, is remarkable, 40 points for the game. Uh, is really remarkable, and, and I believe if if they would have held them under forty, it, it would have been the third time that a Rick Barnes team held an opponent to under forty, uh, and, and and the lowest they've held a team under Rick is is I believe it was thirty six. So they are four points off uh, from that, and and they they continued to play defense all, all night long until the offense got going, and and it, and it did seem like Rick was was okay with the offense despite the ugly shooting numbers um, because McNeese did play his own defense and Tennessee did a fairly good job at least I thought um, maybe a coach would think differently I'm, I'm far from a coach but it did seem like Tennessee was they, moving the basketball McNeese around. State was very active defensively it wasn't good but it was very very active had a lot yes. of energy on defense and was swarming. Yes and against the zone defense you want to get the ball moving you want to get it on in, in the inside of the zone. And, and I thought that Tennessee was doing that for the most part, and they just kind of weren't hitting the shots that, that they were taking. And, and honestly, the thing that frustrated Rick, uh, according to him, after the game was the fact that they had some shots against the zone that you would take against a man defense because you're, you're practically open, but they were so focused on trying to move the ball around that, that guys were turning down shots. That, that was what he was frustrated with, and, and he went on to say that if you, if you hit a couple threes, if, if you make your free throw, you have a different feel for the game at the half, and, and that is absolutely true. So I thought it was a, a, a Colorado game all over again, just mu- on a much smaller scale. You still should win that game, but obviously a positive sign that they were able to continue to play uh, defense at an elite level until the offense came around. Because I feel like that's going to have to be the recipe quite a bit this season. I'll say this, though. I, I think Rick Barnes does this when he's talking about his players offensively and when he's coaching his players offensively. The expression I've used before is that I I think he's a guy who might punch you in the nose and then get mad at you for bleeding on him. Like he will he will tell you, no, you're you're taking you're you're being too selfish. You need to pass the ball around more. You need to kick the you know we need to get all these touches, get an inside touch before a shot goes up. And then when you do that and you pass the ball up, you might be like, wait, why didn't you shoot that ball? And you're sitting there saying, well, because 30 seconds ago you were telling me we need to pass the ball around more. I think Rick does that a little bit offensively at times. I don't think he does it defensively much. I do because I think he's pretty consistent there. Offensively, though, at times I wonder if the message is as consistent sometimes as it needs to be. Regardless, he does understand. And after the game, he will usually be calm and say, sometimes there are nights where no matter how good you are, no matter how talented you are, you are not going to make shots. That is the very nature of basketball. It has been the case the entire time basketball has been a sport. It will always be the case as long as the game of basketball is played. The Golden State Warriors have nights where they don't make shots. This happens. However, if you are not getting the shots that you should be getting and you're not taking the shots you should be taking in the flow of your offense or 
beyond that, you're turning the ball over. That's what's going to irritate Rick Barnes more than anything. And I think still offensively with this bunch, some of the turnovers are a little bit of a concern. It, it, it got nipped in the butt after the bad start tonight, but when you end possessions without getting a single quality look at the bucket or a single look at all because you've turned it over, especially when you're doing something that you shouldn't be doing, like the big men when they're trying to handle the ball too much or when Santiago Vescovi jumps up into the air without having a plan, which he's done for four years. When they do some of those things, revert to those habits, that's when I think he gets the most upset. Absolutely, uh, as would any coach, because those are ridiculous turnovers. Just simply not catching the ball in the paint or or around the paint is is just ridiculous, quite frankly. I mean, that, that's, that's stuff that middle schoolers sh- should never do, yet but, alone But if you're a big man with college good hands, players, you're, you're probably not going to be playing in college. That, that, that's, that's true, but you do have to play at least one year in, in, in college. Well, I guess technically you don't have to play one year in college anymore because of the, the G, G League, League stuff. But point being, you're, you're not a, a complete professional for at least one year uh, at, at a high school. And, and you're right. And Santi's gotten much, much better about the whole leaving his feet before making a decision. You, you rarely see him leave his feet. He had one game in the Bahamas where he did it two or three times. Yes. But, but he used to do that all the time. Uh, yes, it used to be all the time. And Rick talked about it all the time and. I don't ever hear Rick talk about it anymore. And, in fact, on Monday night during Vol Calls, he said that the majority of the time Santi is going to do the right thing with the basketball. Uh, And, again, just speaks to to how far Santi has come in in so many ways. We talked about defense, uh, his defensive improvement to start the podcast, and and that's another area on top of not just being a a shooter but being able to create off the ball when he doesn't have the ball in his hands and and then being able to facilitate for his teammates uh, as well. So, yeah, the the silly turnovers uh, is what was frustrating uh, against Kansas uh, because they had a bunch, I think, 16 first-half turnovers uh, against Kansas. but And still led, which is amazing. Yes, because of what they did defensively. Uh, it, it is amazing. But but you haven't really had, outside of the Colorado game, you haven't had uh, a large turnover number and then Rick come back to the press conference and just eviscerate the guys. I, I think he's been okay with the turnovers, uh, and, and, and in terms of the type of turnovers, obviously not every single turnover has been fine, and, and even a, a good turnover is still not actually a good turnover because it's a turnover at the end of the day, but there are instances when... Live ball turnovers are way worse. Yes, a- absolutely, but in terms of they've, they've been aggressive, they, they've been trying to push the pace, and, and things of that nature, like Rick is not as... And most coaches are, are not going to jump down your throat every single time not all turnovers are equal is is what i'm saying uh and uh, again to my point in the kansas game rick talked afterwards about how he he complimented kansas and what they did defensively and and their athletes and i i I don't think rick does that if he's truly upset uh, about the the turnovers Uh, and and he did a little bit about uh, of that tonight afterwards and look they only had 11 most of them were in the first five to ten minutes of the game and, and part of that was because that that first half of basketball was just hideous I, I tweeted at halftime may we all forget that half of basketball as as soon as possible that was not a good christmas I can't, present that was not a good no, christmas present from no i came back here and i ate my chick-fil-a sandwich and and deleted that from from my memory <laughs> i i i went and found the the men in black little wand what's it called the uh, neuralizer yes and and i got 
uh, Durant Ramey to, to baptize that, baptize me with that, zap me with it. Nice. So I, I, I don't even remember the first half, so honestly. So for something. I, 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 I don't – I don't. yeah, who is Grant Ramey? Uh, yeah, never heard of him. No. Uh, you said Ryan Brown? Yeah. What, what, Patrick Callahan, what would you what, say? What's his name? I don't uh, know. I'm, I'm not sure either. But, yeah, I, I don't even know the first half existed. As far as I'm concerned, Tennessee won 46-26 to 26 tonight, which was the score in the second half. And we are kidding, by the way, Grant. We love you forever. Uh, go Vols 24-7 for life. However, I, I will say – one thing about this game that, that I do think was important was that, and maybe the Colorado game, like Jonas Adu said tonight, maybe that's part of the reason why it happened. But when you come from, from a situation like you're in the Bahamas for a week, you, you play three games against two good teams and one good name, and you win all three games, and you go out there, you take care of business, you beat the reigning national champions, you're feeling good about yourself again, you come home, and you know that in two weeks – you're going to go to Brooklyn to play Maryland, and then you're going to go across the country uh, to play Arizona, uh, which is a really good basketball team and a really good place to play, and against a team that you know is going to want to put it on you after it got beat in this building last year. And then you, you come back for conference play. And, and, and then you know you know that those games are happening and you know what you just played. In between, though, you've got these three games here. You, you've got McNeese State, and you've got Alcorn State, and then you have Eastern Kentucky. Three games that you really ought to take care of business – three games that are scheduled right here for a reason and they're they're scheduled here and i'll tell you exactly why they're scheduled here one you got finals around this time of year two you're coming off that week last week so you know as a coach when you're scheduling you think that might go really well or it might go really badly if it goes really well my guys might be feeling a little bit too good about themselves and they you don't want to play somebody else good right after that or it's going to go really, really, really badly, and my guys are going to need confidence to get bright to get going into those tough games. So that's exactly why you, Rick Barnes is, was not born last night. He knew what he was doing when he scheduled th- these three games right here. There were very good reasons for doing that. But Tennessee went into this game, and despite, again, when you know you're going to win a game no matter what and you are not having a good night offensively, you have every reason as a human being, really, it's human nature – to back off a little bit, not put forth the effort. You know, maybe you're not quite as locked in, right? Maybe you're not playing YMCA defense, but maybe you're not playing your best defense. Tennessee gave maximum effort tonight. Tennessee was locked in tonight. It just didn't shoot the ball well in the first half. That, to me, is a maturity thing that is a really, really, really good sign for this team because it it learned from that Colorado game. It's one thing to say you learn from a game like that, Ben. It's another thing to go out there and prove it. And tonight... I think they proved they learned something from that. Yeah, I, I think so too. And, and look, I thought they proved that against Florida Gulf Coast. We we talked about that's that. That's a decent team, though. Bef- before the the tournament, it, it is for sure. And and it was impressive what what they were able to do. That that team scores a lot of points, and they held them to fifty points. So I I thought right off the the jump, you you take Colorado for granted. You, you thought that you could show up and and just automatically win. And you would think that they have that same mindset uh, against a team like Florida Gulf Coast, but they quickly learn from their mistake against Colorado. And like you said, they're they're a good team. They're 144th in the country, according to Ken Palm, which is really good for a, a school like Florida Gulf Coast to, to be in that top one. 150 and they beat them by 31 and they held a, a team that scores points to 50 points and uh, they have continued to to learn now I would like to see it uh, against a Maryland and Arizona uh, one of these SEC teams to start conference play I, I don't really think that your, your first four conference games are Ole Miss Mississippi State South Carolina Vanderbilt I don't necessarily think any of those four schools are, are going to be very good this season 
but good coaches in the next day, though. Yes, but they're, they're still SEC teams. They, they are formidable. Maybe Jerry Sackhouse will get to coach in that game. Maybe he won't after <laughs> after his uh, rather emphatic ejection this evening at VCU. Him and Rick love each other, so he won't get ejected uh, that particular game. But, uh, again, not necessarily world beaters, th- those four teams. Uh, although Ken Palm does have Mississippi State currently 27th, which is pretty interesting. Um, but th- those are still games to where you could absolutely lose, is my point. So uh, against these Maryland's and Arizona's and, and SEC teams, I want to see them do what they did tonight in, in one of those games. Obviously, you don't want to see the offense struggle. A, it's not pleasant to the eyes. B, that means that Tennessee rather, is struggling. Gross for the eyes. And, and if, if Tennessee is struggling, obviously that's not good for Tennessee. But you would like to see them do what they did tonight against a, an opponent that can actually beat them if they don't continue to play that way defensively for 40 minutes. Because there is no chance McNeese State beats Tennessee tonight. If, if Tennessee would have continued to struggle offensively, they still would have won by double digits. So I, I want to see them if they do struggle in the Barclays Center against Maryland, if, if they do struggle at Arizona, if they struggle for, for the first 25, 30 minutes offensively, can they continue to, to, to rely on their defense and then those last 10 to 12 minutes piece it together offensively to get the win? I, I think that would be a, a big-time statement because great basketball teams always find a way to win even when it's not their night. Last question I've got before we get out of here, Ben, is that I know we'll, we'll have a, a football podcast either Thursday or Friday. Hopefully Thursday, maybe Friday. We will see. Regardless, uh, which is better, McNeese State Basketball or the College Football Playoff Selection Committee? <laughs> as, as crazy as it sounds, the College Football Playoff Committee. hey it, 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 the Because the, at least it got the first couple of teams right, I guess. <sighs> Alabama being ranked over Tennessee makes more sense than than this McNeese basketball team has potential, <laughs> if that makes sense. And, look, I, I am completely on board with the Tennessee should be ranked ahead of Alabama. I, I think they got it completely wrong. But that's how bad this McNeese State team is. Like, I, as bad as that decision was by the committee, it's not as bad as this McNeese State basketball team is. Sorry to all the McNeese uh, state basketball was, fans out there that are currently listening. I was just wondering how many points would McNeese State have had to lose by in this game to be number 12 in next week's AP poll? <laughs> because Tennessee's at 13 now, and McNeese State lost by 36. Okay, that's that's a tough one. That's not going to happen. But what if it had been only like eight points? At that point, eight points. Do you go out there and say, "Hey, uh, we're gonna we're gonna put the Cowboys"? I know they're they're two and six, but we're gonna go ahead and put them at number 12 next week because the caliber of some of these losses is just impressive. Yeah, it's 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 remarkable. And, and I'm getting sidetracked in my mind because I can't help but think about uh, the, the media member that covers Vanderbilt that bumped Tennessee down a spot in the AP poll this, this past week after Tennessee <laughs> went to the Bahamas <laughs> and, and beat Butler, USC, and Kansas to sweep are, the battle for Atlanta. There are some times you look at that poll like the the goofball who covers somebody Notre Dame this season who just had the worst oh it, but all the time but that's not even as bad as watching this Tennessee team sweep the battle for Atlantis which included number three Kansas and thinking I'm gonna bump them down a spot yeah, you know other teams just impressed me more this week you know golly you know what, what are you gonna do right what are you gonna do uh, I'll tell you what you're gonna do if you're Tennessee right now is uh, you're gonna want to keep playing defense at this level uh, make a few more free throws and uh, then you're you're really cooking at that point so uh, a good a good start uh, to things for Tennessee this week after a good very 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 good week last week uh, so we will see uh, Josiah Jordan James we'll see when he 
gets right. Uh, I think that the bottom line is Josiah Jordan-James wants to be healthy at the business end of this season. Tennessee wants Josiah Jordan-James to be healthy at the business end of this season. And, and I saw the other day someone mentioned something about, oh, well, he's just saving himself. You know, he wants to think about the future. I'm like, no, Josiah Jordan-James, if he wants to play at the NBA level, he's got to go prove more at Tennessee than he's proved for the past three years. That has nothing to do with this. He is a guy. Rick Barnes trusts Josiah Jordan-James about as much as he trusts any player who has ever played for him at Tennessee. And I say that knowing that, yes, you know, like a Grant Williams played for him here. Yes, I know that an Admiral Schofield played for him here. Yes, I know that, you know, a, um, a Lamonte Turner played for him here. And Lamonte Turner was a guy who, by the end of his career, had every single bit of Rick Barnes' respect. Uh, Josiah Jordan-James, Rick Barnes listens to him as much as he's probably listened to anybody who he's coached here. And he said it again tonight. He said it last yesterday. That is completely up to Josiah Jordan-James because when Josiah Jordan-James – tells Rick Barnes he's ready to go, Rick's going to believe him. And if he says he doesn't feel ready to go, Rick Barnes is going to believe him. So I think the, the, we know the past few years, we've, we've said several times, man, if, if only Josiah Jordan-James could be healthy, what could he do? Because the last couple of years, his shooting numbers not been great. But I'll tell you, you know what makes it hard to have good shooting numbers? When your shooting wrist or your shooting thumb or your shooting shoulder is banged up. That makes it harder to shoot the ball accurately from the perimeter. So let's get this kid healthy and let's see what he can do when he's healthy. So I am totally on board with that because you want him to be healthy when it matters this season because when he has played twice this season, he's been your best player. Yeah, I'm not worried about his long-term availability at at this point. Uh, Maybe I'd be more worried if he hadn't had warmed up before tonight's game, before USC, before Kansas. I would be worried maybe if he hadn't had done that. And Tennessee seems to have been fairly open about this situation mm-hmm. from from the jump. But I, it's I don't not Tennessee football, so they do talk about injuries. Sometimes <laughs> I, I don't know that it was as simple as a scope as Josiah said uh, following the the Florida Gulf Coast game on a simple oh, no, scope. Maybe would Tennessee not have had him, would not have had him no. out this long. No, a- ab- absolutely not. So I I think there's a little more to what actually the procedure that actually took place uh, over the off season. Um, but I'm I'm not worried about his long-term uh, availability. Uh, and and even just watching him move around in practice yesterday, watching him move around in, in pregame warmups, you you can tell something. He he's kind of holding back for one reason or another. You, you can tell kind of something slowing him down, or he's com- taking it easy. If you're not confident in, in, in an ankle or a knee, it's going to affect every. Single uh, yeah, I just, I just I just think it's him being cautious. You, you can see that he's just purposely being cautious, and, and that's perfectly okay. So I'll be curious to see how how long he ends up being out. But uh, right now, I'm I'm not at all concerned about his long term availability. I I just think they're being overly cautious. And I'll say this too: if you are ever questioning the the character, the toughness or the, uh, the honesty, the competitiveness, any of that with that young man, uh, you are wrong <laughs> because there is nothing. Uh, he has gotten nothing but high marks across the board from Tennessee. He's basically – he showed up on campus as a 30-year-old. That's just how he al- he's always carried himself. So, And you know what a good old man knows how to do? Take care of his body. So uh, we, we will see. Uh, anyways, this was a good night for Tennessee. It's been a good couple of weeks for Tennessee basketball. We'll be back uh, here soon to talk about Tennessee football and, and – uh, 
maybe on the flip side, how disappointing things are for that program right now in terms of where they want to be. Also, uh, a couple names that have gone in the transfer portal, not surprising, that's expected. Uh, and I don't think that's too costly for Tennessee, if I can say that cautiously and, and say that politely. I think that's the case. So we'll have more to discuss there. But until then, uh, I'm Wes, he's Ben, and we are going to step out of here. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, Wes. There's that button. And now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals247. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals247 where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think Falls fans will find interesting. Uh, But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the source, go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball, nobody, and I mean nobody covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock, got the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world, and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time answering any question that you've got, and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent, growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial-free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, you also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or 
I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 